Welcome to Finding Our Rhythm podcast. I am your host, Lisa Work, and today I am joined by not just my guest, but my new co-host, Rich Nelson. Hey. Rich and I have been um, on the first two episodes of this broadcast, and as we have received feedback and enjoyed uh, recording them, we made a, um, a decision, I suppose. Executive decision. <laughs> Very, yeah. It, it, we, we had a meeting <laughs> over coffee. <laughs> we took a vote. It passed. <laughs> it passed. It was great. Unanimous. That uh, we decided that it would be fun to do this together. And so Rich and I will be your hosts. And we still intend on inviting other guests. So this is not to remove guests from our list, but um, we are going to be your host. So we thought you might want to get to know us a little bit. I have some friends who suggested that perhaps we should tell a little bit about ourselves. So I'm going to let Rich go first. Thanks, Lisa. And uh, yeah, thank you for inviting me to be the the permanent uh, guest or uh, co-host. I really love this topic. I mean, when you when you brought up uh, your idea about creating a podcast around spiritual practices, I immediately thought, I want that to exist in the world. So I just uh, was encouraging you and wanting you to do this. And, and now I'm excited to get to be a part of making sure that it that it that it continues. So thank you for for that. Um, yeah, by way of introduction, uh, I'm, I'm Rich Nelson. I'm an Episcopal priest. I went uh, to seminary in 2001, graduated in 2004 and did um, all of my ministry until recently in the state of Texas in various different capacities. So I started out as an associate rector, but also a school chaplain of a preschool through eighth grade Episcopal school, which was so much fun. A lot of energy needed for that job. Yes. uh, Chapel every day at 8 (laughs) a.m. with 300 kids. It was great. And uh, and yeah, loved it ended up uh, moving to more central Texas and uh, to be closer to some family and also ended up serving in the ELCA, uh, the Lutheran Church, uh, for a number of years. And so I'm I'm especially blessed in that I've gotten to serve in two different denominations, uh, which are similar uh, in so many ways, and therefore we're in, in a full communion agreement, um, but also have distinct histories Absolutely. and heritages and gifts and I've just been enriched in so many ways by getting to serve in both of these in both of these uh, branches of the church uh, so I served in uh, some Lutheran churches I've been a college chaplain in two different settings as can we say where yeah sure I was <laughs> the, the college chaplain at Blinn Community College in Brenham Texas uh, where I did an ecumenical um, ministry that was primarily um, for, for students there who did not fit in other Christian ministries on campus. Uh, so people who had different gender identities or different uh, religious backgrounds. And then went from there to be the chaplain at the Episcopal chaplain at Texas A&M University and, uh, and led one of the largest Episcopal campus ministries uh, in the country there, a great group of people. And uh, it was also while I was there that I uh, became a spiritual director, went through the, the training, uh, started my work in spiritual direction, and worked with other spiritual directors to create what uh, is now known as Middleway Urban Monastery in Bryan, Texas. 
which is a place that is um, is for people who are oftentimes we call them spiritual, but not religious or nuns mm-hmm. and duns, uh, people who are not going to walk through the doors of our churches, uh, but still have spiritual lives and are on a journey and want to learn practices and have community. Uh, and I have a real heart uh, for people who, uh, for whatever reasons, and some of them good reasons, you know, are just not looking uh, to walk through the door of a church, but still uh, are beloved children of God yes. and and are every bit of as deserving of the richness of our traditions as any of the rest of us. So um, many people fall into that category now that we come in contact with yeah they do they do and i think even people within our within our churches um you know i'm surprised at the number who haven't had good opportunities to learn how to pray and spiritual practices you know i know a lot of priests who say my people can can uh really hold their own in a bible study but if we ask them to pray they immediately you know freeze up Uh, so so it's a part of my kind of ministry to help people be more comfortable in personal and communal prayer as well. One of the things that I have um, always, there's this huge distance between our head and our heart. Yeah. And it's sometimes hard to bridge that distance. And I believe, and I know we agree on this, that it's the spiritual practices that can help create that bridge yeah. between the two. They really do. You know, uh, we need... Another thing I do is a lot of teaching around uh, the great commandment. And I talk about the balance between the head and the heart uh, and then the, uh, the other quadrant, the soul and the body and how these things that might feel like they're opposites or intention or don't have a lot of overlap, they're actually the complement to each other. And, and if we have a strong, you know, intellect, we need to cultivate a strong heart. And if we have a strong sense of who we are uh, spiritually, we need to make sure that that's embodied physically in a, in a real sense of our incarnational identity. Uh, so there may be time to talk about that some later point down the road. <laughs> it will but, probably be an episode yeah, at some point. But no, yeah, <laughs> that that I think that's a real problem for a lot of people. We, we are not, we're not well resourced to integrate our head and our heart. That's right. Yeah, I think um, I've done, as an educator for a long time, a lot of uh, research and and learning about the left side and the right side of the brain, right? Mm -hmm. The artsy side and the more, uh, you know, linear, concrete side, analytical side, right? And um, so often, depending on our faith tradition, we tend to live in one or the other. Mm -hmm. And we don't, God created both sides. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that it's part of what um, living fully into who we've been designed to be. Yeah. And so all of the sides are important. They are. Our churches these days, I think, uh, coming out of the Reformation 500 years ago, where, you know, Sola Scriptura, we really focused a lot on developing our understanding of the faith which was good and necessary at that point because the people didn't have access to the Bible and didn't, you know, have Bible study. You believed whatever sure. the clergy told you to believe. So these last 500 years, we've gotten really good at, at thinking through uh, our faith. 
uh, we're at a unique juncture now where I, I think, okay, what we need to do is we need to find ways to balance that. And so, um, as an artist myself, you know, I, I also give talks sometimes about the importance of creativity to our spirituality and how um, we oftentimes don't think of ourselves as creative beings. And I think that's a real spiritual impediment for us if we can't if we can't see ways in which the creator yes. created us to be creative. I think in many again, pulling on that education experience of mine. I've discovered that those early years of education, so think kindergarten through like fourth or fifth grade, especially, we train our students and our children not to be creative, but to learn how to follow the the rules. And please hear me, rules are important, especially in a classroom. I don't think it should be a free for all, but we uh, really move away from creativity and um, thinking outside of the box to solve things as a former math teacher and math curriculum supervisor, I discovered the way we quote, made things more accessible for kids is we created these algorithms. You do this and then this and then this, and then you get your answer. And it works most of the time uh, for kids to get the answer. They can get an answer, but they don't know why. And because they didn't have that opportunity to experiment and to fail some and not to be successful, um, they have this un, unrealistic, maybe, maybe that's the right word, but uh, not healthy <laughs> approach that I have to follow the steps to get there, yeah. as opposed to it's okay to try it and it doesn't work, but what did I learn from it? And how do, and I think the same is true about our spiritual life. It really is, Lisa. You know, in in the earliest early part of the 20th century, uh, a lot of our churches adopted a public education model for faith formation. That's very true. Where we had, you know, Sunday school superintendents. Uh, <laughs> That's really literally what sometimes they're still what called, they're called, I believe. That's yes. right. You know, and and a set curriculum, and uh, I think that made a lot of sense in that context. You know, there is goodness in so that model. But with any model that you adopt, you know, you're also going to have to contend with its limitations. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that's right. We, we ended up approaching faith as somewhat of a formulaic endeavor. You know, here's the, here's the catechism. Here's what we believe. Memorize <laughs> these things that we believe. We'll test you on that to make sure you remember <laughs> the answers to that. And then we'll confirm you and you're a Christian. And there was not a lot of invitation to uh, question. There's not a lot of invitation to think outside the box. Uh, And um, as a result of shutting down that natural curiosity uh, within our body, uh, I I think we ended up doing a disservice. And so, you know, the the good news is uh, it's not too late, right? Absolutely. Let's let's do those things now. Well, and I think that um, just the, you know, having that take a test at the end, it's, we laugh about a little bit, uh, but I I know that that was the case. Uh, Actually, when I was confirmed in uh, the UCC church a while back, and uh, I don't know what would happen if you failed. I don't know that anybody did, but it, it did bring a lot of anxiety and angst. I think the other extreme is equally as troublesome when there is Uh, just going through the motions, but not actually talking about challenges and talking about 
questioning. I think questioning is just a normal and right part of our faith journey. Mm -hmm. uh, instead, we create this picture that you shouldn't have any questions and that you should just be confident. And, and that's, it's fraught to, with problems. Yeah. And one of the real gifts for you and me talking about who we are and kind of our place in life is that we are in a place right now at Virginia Theological Seminary as students where uh, we get to ask these kinds of deeper questions and, and wrestle with those. We have fantastic professors mm -hmm. who help us think through those things well. We have fantastic classmates who have interesting different views than we do. <laughs> that challenge us sometimes. Like sometimes when I walk away from some of those conversations, I'm like, oh, this is really uncomfortable. And I've learned to like relax about that. Uncomfort yeah. Being uncomfortable is okay. It is. And, but we are held together in this place, which I would say is a good and healthy community by our love and commitment for each other Absolutely. and by our, our daily prayer together in chapel. Which is something as an Episcopalian, I believe strongly in. We are bound together by our common prayer, uh, which leaves room for us to sometimes not have common belief or common viewpoint. Absolutely, I uh, I think that was one of the. I did not grow up an Episcopalian, and so common prayer was a new thing when I became an Episcopalian a number of years ago. And I loved the. I was always fascinated by it. Um, this whole morning and evening prayer in Compline and, and the fact that our liturgy has the same shape no matter where you go yeah. in an Episcopal church. I was fascinated and I'm like, how did it work? And is it really like a thing? And what I found is there is great comfort knowing that when I'm praying, whether I'm in chapel or by myself doing one of those um, times of prayer, there are others. Yeah doing it with me we're connected across time and space and place and and i love that too and i love other things about other parts of the christian church Absolutely. and so speaking of that you know i started out baptist actually that was <laughs> me that, too that was where <laughs> that's where the family that i began in and also spent a, a few years in the ucc uh, the united church of christ which is a great i'm always learning that rich and i have such an interesting <laughs> parallel but yet different path and so in some ways, I think it's that richness of experience in the Christian mm -hmm. church that, uh, at least for me, and I suspect for you as well, has really cultivated uh, interest in spiritual practices, interest in prayer, um, and a willingness to, you know, try different forms of prayer and just see, mm -hmm. see uh, how those um uh, how those take root and, and blossom in our lives. Indeed. I, for me, it was a, a missing piece. I mean, I was really good at Bible study. Uh, you know, I grew up in a different tradition. Uh, you know, I had a little, little Baptist time, little UCC time. Um, I was part of the uh, Christian and Missionary Alliance for oh, much of my adult life before. Yeah, you didn't know right. that part, yeah. did you? Um, and uh, then non-denominational for a while. And then here I am as an Episcopal, uh, Episcopalian, and I, I find that a the beautiful thing about God's economy is nothing is wasted, yes. and I love how they all knit and blend together. Uh, I also discovered that I have, like, I had this longing for a long part of my life that I didn't really have words to describe, and it's when I discovered 
contemplative spirituality in particular, a lot of the spiritual practices that we talked about, it, it um, was like a missing piece. Like, oh, yeah, this is what fits with me. This is, and while that's not, um, it's definitely not an Episcopalian only thing, or that's one of those things, the contemplative spirituality that I believe it spans across all denominations, if you will. I think it, I think it does. Certainly, you know, it is our, it is a gift of our common heritage. And, um, and I think some of the traditions have been able to keep that alive and well, uh, especially Roman Catholic uh, tradition, yes. you know, has through the monastic mm -hmm. uh, practices have kept that alive throughout uh, the ages, but it exists in all kinds of other spaces. You know, the Orthodox Church certainly Absolutely. has. Uh, increasingly, I find the evangelical churches are interested in in spiritual practices and things that um, that are along these lines. And because I'm curious, you know, I've also, uh, you know, I am a Christian, but I look across across the aisle at yeah, you know our our Buddhist brothers and sisters, our Taoist brothers and sisters, our Hindu brothers and sisters, our Muslim brothers and sisters, all of these, all of these other practices and traditions and go, isn't it interesting how prayer and contemplative practice feeds mm -hmm. them as well? I, Thomas Merton was probably my first introduction when I learned about Thomas Merton and his yeah. interest in, um, actually he had a friend, right, who was Buddhist and he, he saw that connection and commonality. And I think it's one of those beautiful ways we can open conversation up yeah. um, into religious conversation, which is, I think, so important, especially in today's day and age. Yeah, it is. And there's interesting work being done out there around that. And if anybody's interested in that, I encourage you to just Google DIMID, D-I-M-M-I-D. We'll put it in the show yeah, notes, too. It's, it's uh, you know, a longstanding interaction between uh, Catholic and Buddhist monks around what it means to be monastic and to be people of prayer. Wow. I love that. I love that. One of the things that, uh, and a couple of more episodes, upcoming episodes, so stay tuned. I went to do uh, prayer beads and we, I use Anglican prayer beads, also known as Protestant prayer beads. But of course it was fascinating as I was researching about prayer beads in general, almost every major religion has a form of prayer beads. Mm -hmm. So it's a great example of that we share a lot. Yeah. And, and that's another, uh, I think, important and vital thing as we approach prayer practices here is there are distinctly different forms of spiritual practices. Some of them are more physically embodied. Some of them are, are more, you know, mystic, some of them engage our brain in a really important way. And others are about kind of reflecting on our actions and things that we've done. And so, uh, so sometimes we think of spiritual practices as this kind of one big, you know, uh, <laughs> one size fits one all, size fits all. Uh, but actually, as we get into them, we find that there are some really amazing, rich differences and distinctions. And you know, so for instance, with prayer beads, you have that physical, tangible thing that you can hold and your body can do. And for some people, that's just what they need. And for other people, it's it's not. But that's because it's, we're different. different. Imagine that's that. crazy, <laughs> crazy. I think um, 
And for me, hiking and walking is mm-hmm. definitely a spiritual practice. Uh, Absolutely. I was hiking with my husband yesterday and we had one, the last two miles of our uh, hike were all uphill. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, uh, I think it was like 750 feet of elevation gain. And actually in just like the last mile and quarter of that. And I was like, this is not fun. And this is where for me, um, doing, I pray sometimes going up those hills just to kind of get me there. Um, but it's also more than just that, just walking in the woods. There is something about being in God's creation. That's amazing. That's another thing that you and I share is our love for spending time in nature Mm -hmm. and how reliably we find some sense of connection with God and with ourselves there. And so when people say to me, you know, I feel closer to God in nature than I do in a church, I don't discount that as something you know, wrong with that person. That's just their spiritual type. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ought to honor that and celebrate it and, and encourage it. And so I know that we'll be talking about spiritual practices oh, absolutely. outdoors as well. Outdoors and indoors and all of all of the above. And uh, for those of you who are listening, if there is a particular spiritual practice that you're curious about or you'd want to hear about, Rich and I might not, probably won't be the expert on that particular practice. But what we are probably pretty good at doing is finding somebody who is. So we are guest. We would love that. We would love that. So Rich is telling me that I'm supposed to talk about myself a little bit now. And I was here, I was ready to tie it all up. (laughs) So I have been an educator for over 30 years. That reality when I did the math was um, a little breathtaking because I'm not sure how that's possible when I'm just probably 35 rich, but you know, I must have been a prodigy or something. Um, (laughs) I am. I have loved being an educator, uh, but I've always had this sense. I can I can honestly tell you, I can, as I think back, literally, I mean, we were kidding about five, but I'm much older, <laughs> but at two years old, uh, I had to have some surgery on my eyes and I remember praying at two years old. So that's an interesting thing to like recall. And just that it was always, I didn't always know or understand um, what I was fear- feeling or needing, but it's definitely been something that I've had. Um, then I also uh, had an opportunity to go through a real tough time. Uh, gosh, how many years ago has it been? I'm doing the math, 24, 25 years ago, where life was really hard. And I really was angry with God and said, I'm kind of done. And I checked out on doing anything spiritual, religious, or and it was just for about six months it lasted. And I realized that it was counter for how to how I was created. And I knew that I needed to do life with God because that's part of how I'm woven. Um, I'd like to say it's part of how everybody's woven. They might just have different words for it, I think. Um, but for me, my, the particular way of connecting with God had to shift because I was definitely on a performative approach. And that's how I found my identity. And it 
that moment, which was really hard, those six months and coming out of those six months were pretty difficult time. And I also realized that I had to shift and I started to read the Bible differently. I was introduced to something called Lectio Divina, which we'll talk about on another episode. We keep saying that on another episode. Um, but I realized that there were there's a different way to engage the Bible than how I had been, which was um, which is not bad to, to engage it from a um, very intellectual level. But if we stay there, we miss this whole side. It's sort of like uh, only looking like seeing a picture of, say, the Grand Canyon, but never seeing it. I think they're different, right? Very different experiences. Both <laughs> right. good. Both good. Yeah. I mean, you can look at a picture of the Grand Canyon and go, wow, that is so amazing. But until you've seen it it's not the same. So I, I think that's part of what my experience was, was making that shift and actually, and it's hard though to, to, so I, ironically, I use that example. I've never seen the Grand Canyon in real life. I should pick something that I've seen in real life. <laughs> um, so I will give the, the White Mountains. I have been to the top of Mount Washington and hiked in the White Mountains. And I had seen pictures before I have, I had gone and it was beautiful. I mean, stunning, breathtaking, but getting there, was hard having to hike up the hills, having to train sometimes out of breath going up the hill, depending on the hill you're going, or even going downhill, which is equally hard on those of us over a certain age who have knee issues. Um, going down can be equally as hard on your body as going up is on your lungs. And, uh, but so worth it. Oh, so worth it. And I believe that that moment um, learning to look at God differently and to not just look, but to literally commune with God differently, as opposed to a judge who just, you know, who was very separate from us and really was waiting to just stamp me out if I screwed up. Um, I realized that really wasn't how God looked at me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's those really challenging times and sometimes physically challenging, sometimes emotionally challenging mm -hmm. you know, or vocationally challenging or all of the above. all above at the same time. Yeah. Those are certainly in my life to times I can point to and go, my relationship with God really grew and expanded and was enriched by, by that because I had to come into relationship with God in a different and deeper way if I was going to get through this because I felt like I didn't have what it took on my own. Well, I don't think any of us have what it takes on our own. I think that's the, the beauty of grace. Uh, and I, that began a journey for me. Then over the next years, I became, I too became a spiritual director. I was exposed to all of these new ways of um, connecting with God and and oh, by the way, not for a reason other than God just loving on me, right. uh, which was like, you mean I don't have to, I could articulate that I didn't have to do anything for God to love me, but that was not how I was living. Yeah. Um, even if I didn't say it with my mouth, my heart was definitely living differently. And so uh, this is a continual path for me. And that's why spiritual practices are so important for me because it it does help bring me back to center. Um, spiritual practices I've learned over time 
although the example I gave about walking up the hill um, and praying, that that does sound like, oh, like a transactional thing, but it's more getting myself in a different place so that I can go with God. And so it's a, it's a big difference. Uh, I really um, am so excited as I'm coming like we're almost to the end of the semester when we're recording this. So I have one more year of seminary and then where I will, God willing, be ordained and become an Episcopal priest. I um, am excited to have the opportunity to share that um, aha that I've had over time with the people that I will get to serve along beside. Now, it doesn't mean, obviously, that's part of why we created this podcast is you don't have to wait until you are officially a priest. In fact, oh, by the way, you don't have to be a priest. Yeah. We're, we're baptized. Uh, and and the gift of the Holy Spirit, as scripture says, comes with uh, and through baptism. And, Absolutely. Uh, so uh, as much as I value being an ordained uh, person in the church, I know that what I have, you know, that connection with God that I have is something that is tied to my baptism and we mm-hmm. all share. Absolutely. In fact, I would say in a large portion of my life up prior to the last, I won't tell you the number of years, but decades and decades, because then you do the math and figure out the age. Um, but I, up until the last probably seven, eight years, um, I had really a abandoned the idea of being in ministry. And that was because, oh, way back when I had just graduated from high school, I was in college, felt a call to ministry. I realized that particular call to ministry, that call, part of that was wrapped up into the way I viewed successful Christians. If you were successful, <laughs> you became a, you know, a priest or ordained or missionary, fill in the, you know, fill in the blanks. And I literally took decades and decades for that to be um, deconstructed in my thinking and uh, for God's invitation. And I mean, part of that was, was that time where I just said, God, done with you, (laughs) hurt too much by the church, hurt too much by people, done, done with you. Um, It was through out of that time, I was able to start making that shift. And the fact that God would call me to ministry is amazing to me. Um, But I realized it wasn't, I I didn't have to be called to ministry to be able to live my life um, telling the good news of Jesus. Christianity is not a ladder we climb. Uh, It is a body that we are a member of. And, And scripture clearly says every member of the body is important to all the other members. Uh, so in a world that oftentimes has this kind of progression and, you know, you got to work towards something, this is a really different way to think about being a community. Absolutely. I look forward to us um, unpacking that over time. So we did this obligatory get to know Lisa and Rich <laughs> episode. We hope you will still um, continue to uh Subscribe to our podcast and tell your friends about our podcast. We really would love to hear what kind of things do you want to learn about, talk about, 
hear about uh, because we'd like to talk about them. Yeah, you've gotten to know a little bit about us. We would love to get to know a little bit about you. So uh, reach out to us and let us know uh, who you are, what you're interested in, so that we can uh, continue to build a community around this. Absolutely. And all of the ways to do that, there'll be an email address in the show notes. And I believe if you are on Spotify, there is a way that you can submit questions through there. So we will accept any of them and get back to you as soon as we can. So for now, uh, we pray that God goes with you. We pray that God um, would make God's self known to you in a new and exciting way. And be sure to tune in next time when we will be talking about breath prayer. Finding our rhythm unafraid to begin again 